Here we go from the top rope, a steel cage match with my next guest, the CEO of CCW, Nelio Como Costa. Welcome, my very own Vince McMahon. How Thank you doing, you, brother? Dan. Thank you so much. It's been so awesome uh, to finally be here. Oh, yeah. The happy customer channel. You think you're so smart, huh? Yeah, Dan. You think you're giving business advice to the world? I got a little something for you. Oh, yeah. Dig it. I, I wish I would have had like a, a better Hogan voice or. or what you gonna do, brother? <laughs> Hips here with uh, CCW owner and executive director, Nelio Costa, brother. <laughs> I love it, man. As a lifelong wrestling fan, I'm pumped to have you on the show. Um, Tell me about, how'd you get your start? Like, how did how does somebody get into the wrestling business? So I was a professional wrestler when I was four years old. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> trained or anything like that, but I watched, actually, it was, it was Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, Survivor Series. Um, it was 93, 90, no, 91. I'm so old, man. And um, uh, Hulk Hogan takes the Tombstone Piledriver. He loses the belt. Yeah. This is like the greatest baby phase of all time. Loses the belt. And the first time that I'm watching, I was hooked for life. So immediately I just started clotheslining my brothers, my cousins, <laughs> going to school and just throwing, like, I didn't know it was a work, so just punching people in the right. face. And so I was a wrestler, right, you know, back then. But, um, you know, uh, when I was 18, I was playing football. And uh, I, I was playing football. I was going to play college football. But I just, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Yeah. That was yeah, really yeah, yeah. always my dream. You know, I was cutting promos on the football field. I'd do the ultimate warrior stick and all that type of stuff. Like, cut the sleeves off and... And it would wear like a warrior face paint when I when I played football and stuff like that. So I was always really a professional yeah. wrestler. And then I uh, started training a little bit, had some knee surgeries, uh, and then got back into it in 2004 uh, at CCW. And then uh, six years ago, uh, with Dan, who's one of my trainers, one of my mentors, yeah. uh, you know, we got together. I said, listen, I have a plan. I have an idea to really make this thing work. And then, and then I came into the company. Let's talk about the business. So we, as first of all, you guys put on a great show. I took my Thank team so there. Thank you Yeah, it was um, awesome. It's not easy, you know, it's a lot of organizational aspects to it, but you're lucky because the people who you work with love wrestling. Right. So they'll they'll work harder, they'll do what needs to be done because they they're they have passion uh, uh, for what, what they're doing. So uh, with Zach and with Lance, who, who own Unbranded, it was one of those things where they had just had this huge space. Yeah. And it was just perfect, like, two-tiered, um, you know, the amazing front of the house with awesome, like, uh, food and beverage options and really nice place, and then this back brewery like yeah. very like industrial looking thing and i always remember the first time i saw it i i saw the vision lit up. immediately and uh, uh it was actually one of the guys working for this, this happens a lot in wrestling one of the guys who was working for for the owners um he basically booked the show without letting the owners know <laughs> and i th i think he got in trouble for yeah. it he's not with the he's not with them anymore but uh that first show we had about 300 people and it was incredible and they had an incredible bar ring and that's when i met lance for the first time, I didn't know I didn't know what was going yeah. on, and it was so incredible that he was like, "Bring it back, let's do it monthly." And um, it's just been awesome. We were mentioned, or we were we had an article written up about us in the New York Times uh, because we are spearheading this like industrial grassroots brewery wrestling, right? Uh, and we were one of the innovators, so that was really cool. And then you know, it's it's a, a symbiosis. You know, we give them awesome. Uh, uh, rings on their food and beverage, and right. we give them their revenue, and we make sure that we tailor it to their to their style of customer and what they're doing. And in in return, they take care of us. You know, they give us an incredible venue, they give us incredible marketing, and we we right. we are a wrestling company. Uh, we have a school. Uh, you know, we do we're we're playing with media rights with yeah. some different things that we're doing. 
uh, and then obviously live events. So it's a multifaceted business. It's very hard to wrangle sometimes, um, but it's it's incredibly fulfilling yeah. as someone who is as passionate about wrestling as we are. You know, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As, as some of the, as some of uh, uh, these crazy fans are. You know, as well. Like we're so passionate about it that like I don't have a problem going and working. You know, uh, Monday through Thursday at the school with the students, and then on the weekends. You know, uh, two shows a weekend for the most part. We have about, you know, give or take, 40 active students. And uh, some of them are just completely brand new to professional wrestling. And they're starting the course from the beginning and just learning about becoming a professional wrestler. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of them are in their early 20s and their idea is to be, you know, former athletes. And they want to get to the WWE. They want to get to all elite wrestling. They want to get to, to you know, national nationally televised companies and, and large companies. And some guys are guys in their 30s who want to, like just be it and live it and become a pro, a pro wrestler, you know. So it's it's really a, a lot of a good mix of people. Uh, and then on top of that, you have guys who come in who want to be referees, announcers, that type of stuff. You know, the, the learn the back end of the business, which we we uh, teach as well. You yeah. know, like uh, production and video production and, and other stuff like that. But you also have guys that like you can do corporate events there. There's a you can do team building events there. Um, you know, we've had it where we would bring in seven, eight guys from the same company and they'll, you know, learn how to roll around a little bit and learn how to do like very simple things. Uh, and it's a great team building exercise and it's so fun. Uh, but for like our, you know, our primary thing is to get students going and get them, you know, to the next level uh, uh, at the school. Uh, we have Gangrel, who is uh, David Heath, who's our head trainer there, who's been with me now for two years. And he's incredible. He's an incredible teacher. He's a very old school, yeah. hard-nosed guy. Um, he was, you know, he's a future WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, obviously, I thought it was going to happen this year, but, you know, we're hopefully in some other, you know, in the, in the, in the coming <laughs> years. You know, he had a really big presence at this year's WrestleMania yeah. with, with the Edge and Finn Balor match. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone knew, everyone thought he was going to be there. It was so funny. Everyone, the, the, the news uh, journalists were like, he's going to be there. He's going to be there confirming. And then people yeah. are calling me. And I'm like, well, I talked to him. He said he's not going to be there. <laughs> and he might be lying to me, though, yeah. right? Like, you never know. You want to keep it under wraps. You know, I wouldn't tell him. If he was, I wouldn't have told him. Uh, so they knew that. And so um, it's funny, too, because the morning of the second day, that Sunday, I call him and I said, FaceTime me. Are you still in Hollywood, Florida right now? <laughs> he's like, brother, I'm having lunch with my daughter and my my wife and I made him FaceTime me because I wasn't going to get worked. Yeah. So no, he wasn't there, but he's an incredible trainer um and he's here's the difference is, you know, some other wrestling schools like will there'll be a name attached to the school. Yeah. Like a, a, you ha you have to have some credibility. You need someone there who's been to the next level, uh who's been to the WWE so that you can, you know, really tell the students, I've been where you're going and this is what you're doing. And the difference with uh, uh Gangrel is he's there four nights a week, 5 days a week. He's there at two o'clock in the afternoon working on things. He's there until ten o'clock at night, and he's he's an incredible trainer. So we have an amazing thing going. We have uh, uh, originally, you know, three or five years ago when when I kind of came in, it was a very, you know, a smaller group of local guys. And now we're at a point where guys are flying in from Arizona, wow. from New Jersey, to learn from from us and to come to our school. So it's become a really awesome bump in prestige. Uh, but it's also incredible because we've had so many of our talents get to the next level. Yeah. So that helps. You know, it's like, well, if you can do the work, and I tell the I tell new students every single day. You know, I say it's on you. Like, all that we can promise is you'll get a look. Mm -hmm. you know, we have so many of our guys go to All Elite Wrestling to do AEW Dark, and and so many of our guys have been to those. Uh, have been to WWE and, and extra work, and and some of our guys have been signed. 
to the WWE, but I tell them you have, they have to put in the work. They have to get up and they have to, you know, work out and they have to learn and they have to take it as seriously as you take any other job. Uh, so that's a, our main focus. But some of the most fun mm -hmm. that I've had were some of these corporate events, birthday parties, uh, awesome stuff that we do that is family focused and and uh, corporate focused and, and it's it's a blast. Yeah, you guys are great to, to your customers. Talk to me about customer engagement. I mean, you do a lot of digital stuff oh. at the events. Uh, I'm sure that's part of the school. Walk me through how you build these raving fans. So, you know, when you get an audience of uh, four to 700 people at, at Unbranded on a monthly basis, you need to grab them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I tell the guys that like, even though we have our storylines and we have what we're doing, you have to understand that like, there's a casual new fan that has just got there now. Right. So, you know, you have to cater to the casual audience. And one of the things that I wanted to change about professional wrestling in general, independent uh, professional wrestling in general, uh, was simple was it was too niche. And so, you know, you'd go to a show and the wrestlers were in the ring and there was not that many people there. Right. And we're wrestling for each other to make each other laugh, to entertain each other. And that's not what we do at CCW. We're completely customer focused. You know, my idea uh, or my, my ideal customer, the type of customer that I like is, and I say this all the time, but like if you work in an office yeah. and you love wrestling and there's a cute girl that you want to take out that just at the office, you can take her to our show. She'll have an amazing time. Yep. She won't be embarrassed to, to be there at, right. at professional wrestling. And then you can have some drinks. You can enjoy yourself. And, and then she'll come back and she'll tell her friends. And the office will come. And the group, the group sales come. And it's really an incredible, incredible well, it's, thing. It's funny because so many people, you know, obviously wrestling's been in our world, whether you're a casual fan or whatever. But to go to the live events, a lot of people still haven't gone. I took my team to your event, and I think it was awesome, man. I think I had been the only one that ever been to a wrestling event. When the WWE came here in December, I took my entire team. I was also the only guy right. that had ever, and and everybody's like, "Why haven't I been to this?" Absolutely, Just, this is fun. It's this awesome. Is fun. Yeah, it's awesome. And well, there's it's, something for everybody. Exactly. Well, that's exactly right. It's it's uh, it's a. Partially a variety show. Right. Because you have a little bit of comedy. You have, you know, like, beautiful women. You yeah. have good-looking things going on. And then you have also... Related comedy. Comedy. Combat. Like, you yeah. have villains and, and good guys and bad guys. And in the end, for the most part, you know, good prevails over evil. And it's a long-term storyline. You know, one of the things that's amazing about our shows is we do month to month. So we have a, you know, every first Saturday will be at Unbranded Brewing in Miami. Uh, second Friday is at Sun on the Beach uh, Club in Old Town Kissimmee. Uh, second Saturday is uh, Homestead. Uh, third Saturday is Papano Beach. And we do other spot shows. Mm -hmm. But I tell a story or we tell a story from month to month. So when the show is over, I'll get 40, 50 pre-sales of the same core audience really? for the next show. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, they're ready to see the next part of the story. But when you write, or when, I don't want to say write, I never want to say write. <laughs> when you put together yeah. the following show, um, you have to understand that there's primarily going to be new people there. So the show has to cater to the hardcore guys that know everything about it, right. but also cater to people who come in and easily pick up the story, easily enjoy uh, what they're doing. So that's the game. You know, that is the that is what we do. So much of the business is storytelling, right? You mentioned the school. And you go, yeah, announcer training. And 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 if you're really a wrestling fan, the announcers, the the, the, the it, it is a super talent. I, I call them like they're they're almost better than like Vince Scully in baseball, yes. right? The way they sell the story, the way yes. the excitement, like they are key. Including Vince McMahon was an announcer yes. for many many yes. years, right? Um, let's talk about storytelling. 
yes. and how you put together the storylines and develop them and, 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 and sort of what is that process like? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, storytelling, rest, professional wrestling is storytelling. Oh, yeah, right. It is, it's from a microcosm. Like the match itself will tell a story. The show itself will tell a story. Right. And from month to month, we'll yeah. tell an overarching so each match has a winner or a loser for the most part. And in that, in the combat, there is a story being told. And the fans can lock into that. And that is primarily the wrestlers will come together with that. But it needs to sync with the show story, and it needs to sync with an overarching storytelling. So generally, like, uh, I'll sit down, and I will map out two and a half to three months. And okay. because of the volume of shows, and it's you and somebody else, or or what? What, what is what is this? I don't want to. I'm interested in the process. Okay, I don't want to. Okay. I, I don't well, want to. Yeah, yeah. You don't have so to give my, me the, the so secrets. I, uh, Kevin Sullivan, uh, the devil himself. The, the, yeah, uh, <laughs> who I grew up terrified yeah, of. Yeah, he'll perch to my right. Yeah, uh, he'll be able. The devil will be on my right, and then uh, uh, Gangrel, a vampire, yeah. in front of me. Uh, sometimes Bill Alfonso, the the uh, legend Bill Alfonso. Uh, sometimes like a select group of guys that. I feel, you know, understand. And we'll just talk and we'll talk about things and we'll look at stories that happened in the past because yeah. what is old is new again. Sure. And we'll we'll pontificate and we'll talk about certain guys and we'll see and I'll see who's really our available guys because we have some guys that are you know, we had our champion be signed by Ollie Wrestling. Um we've had things happen where, you know, we're telling an overarching story and they have to leave and I need them to leave because uh, uh, I want them to get to the next level, yeah. and I need the next guy to step up and fill that spot. Right. So it's 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 okay. Who do we have that's available? And what what will work here? And then I'll look at the venue. I'll look at the fans. I'll look at what we're doing, and then I'll make sure that it's all contained in a two hour show. Because right. what happens is is you have you have this like wealth of like talent and right. wealth of guys, and so you'll start to like I'll wake up oh, yesterday. It was incredible. It was like ten o'clock, and like my wife. I have a three year old daughter, mm -hmm. and um, I started coming up with this idea, so then I start texting seven, eight guys yeah. who are part of all of this, and I'm texting, and they're replying immediately because we're professional wrestlers and we're insane, and uh, we're just replying, we're back and forth, we're back and forth, back and forth, and all of a sudden I now, need to get on this text chain. <laughs> all of a sudden, the hour is gone, an hour yeah. and a half is gone, and I was like, it felt like a second, and then uh, uh, the dates were there, everybody was locked in, the story was told, and within one hour it was done, and it was, and I emailed it to my um, social media director, yeah, and he started to make the match cards. And he started to schedule the match cards, and then the advertisement goes out the next day, and that's how it works. And it's it's a very quick process. It can be too quick sometimes, because yeah. sometimes I'll come up with a or we'll come up with a crazy idea, and then um, I'll realize I already have seven matches for the show, and that's a two hour two hour show. And the the biggest problem that I find with entertainment mm -hmm. is it's too long nowadays. It's like I have ADD. I take ADD medication, and I still feel like I have ADD. <laughs> so I can't watch Yo, no. three hours of Raw Dude, uh, all the way through. Ric Flair steamboat fights used to be two-hour exactly. wrestling matches. And I'm like, you're, you're lucky you get a 15-minute match. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're locked at 90 minutes and these yeah. guys and stuff. But I want a two-hour show where the story is being told, the yeah. matches are in there, like they're awesome matches, and, and then we go home, and we go to the next town, and we come back in a month, and we do another two-hour story. So what happens is it becomes a struggle. Like, oh, I really want to use this guy. Or if you, I have new students who are just breaking out. They really are breaking out. Like, we have a, a, a monthly show called Breakout. Yeah. But these guys that are just ready to go, and I'll put them on those shows, but I want to use them. And I'll look at my card, and it's like, I can't. I can't. You know, And it's not, it's not even budgetary. 
it's literally just, I need this to be a two hour show. Yeah. Like I've seen the three hour shows and I've seen all these things and I've done those. And if you come, if you, you know, so it's really a, you know, it's a wealth of, of opportunity. And, and so we cut up our shows and uh, every Tuesday, uh, there's uh, four different um, local markets uh, mm-hmm. over the air and, yeah. and, and one syndicated market that plays our show. Uh, it's called Live Wrestling, and it's on. Uh, it drops on uh, 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday nights on the YouTube page. Okay. So what happens is, is you take those shows, and then I start to cut those shows. Yeah. And then we get to, we parse out to the overall audience the overarching story. And I hope that some of the audiences in Kissimmee and Nashville, and some of them do in Port St. Lucie, they watch that show, so they know what's coming what changes occurred while they were gone. So it's something like that, like to create a re- like a real regional feel yeah. to what we're doing. It's a lot of work, but it's um, it happens very quickly. So what do you look for in a wrestler? So somebody goes, shows up at your school and you go, this person has potential or not. Like w- what are key characteristics that you look for? One of the first things I do is I look at Gangrel when, the fr- first person, when they walk in and I say yes or no, and he'll know. He'll say he, no. He's like that old baseball scout. He'll look at like you two minutes walk out, in yeah. and he'll know, and he'll say We'll sit him down, and obviously we'll still sign him up. I'm yeah. not, he'll say no, and 90% of the time he's right. And then I'll look at them, and I'll talk to them, and it's the opening conversation. You start to read, you know. Um, to be a professional wrestler, you have to be in this very interesting range of 9 to 13% of insane. <laughs> okay. I and mean, I love that you have if specific 9 to 13%. If you're 8.5, yeah. you're not crazy enough. Yeah. If you're 13.5, you're too crazy. It's exactly this range... <laughs> So I'll gauge like is he like is he crazy enough to bleed and bleed in front of someone because that's a nine percent right right it's like why would you do this right like I've had people who've gone all the way to training and said we're doing this angle and then we'll show them like this is the things that you do and they'll look at me like this is I say okay you're at eight percent and that's fine right you know but you have to be at nine if you want to do this and then there are guys who are just uncontrollable and those are the thirteen to fifteen percent guys so I'll get that (laughs) what is uncontrollable in your definition. Wow, I've seen it all. Man. <laughs> I've had I've had two uh, altercations with wrestlers that were about to become physical in the last five years, and it's one of those things where you're looking at a guy and you're like, "You're not." I can't believe like I'm gonna I'm here and we're doing this and we're all working together and I'm gonna have to fight a guy over this. This yeah. is ridiculous. Over the two instances in my head are the dumbest things. Sure, always, like it's, always it's, is. It's, it's way dumber than the real issues. But you know, um, you have wrestlers like I'm one of them. I mean, I'm I've been one of them. I'm an insane person sometimes too. Like. <laughs> Like, I try to reel it in. I'm older now, but I, you know, uh, it's just you go out or a guy will fight a fan at a bar or a guy will, you know, like, it's just what it is. It happens still. Like, it doesn't happen on brand. It doesn't happen, like, very often or anything. But wrestlers have a, they're interesting personalities, you know. And at the school, you know what, I like sometimes, like, uh, uh, it, I tell people it's a lot like organized sports. Like, you know you're having a good football training camp. Yeah. And you get a couple fights, a couple guys who are, you know, uh, have a little issues and, 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 Guys with personal issues, um, as long as they don't like hate hate each other, have incredible chemistry. Yeah. So guys who like have problems with each other, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Right. Um, you can look at it, like I hear stories about Flair and Dusty where there were serious problems, but they had incredible chemistry. Right. And then you have it on the flip side, like the best matches that I've had are with my best friends, where we'll take we'll take liberties with each other. Like I will be stiffer and snugger. With a guy who's my best friend, because I know after the match we're gonna laugh about right. it, and where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if this guy's gonna like it when I'm gonna, you know, forearm him in the head a few times, <laughs> pretty stiff. So that's how like you can kind of, you kind of play with that. It's also it's an artist collective. That's the best way to explain it. Is you have guys with their own ideas and the guys with passion. So imagine you have like, 
30 passionate artists right. who really care about what you're doing. And you're saying, this is what you're doing today. And if it doesn't fit their vision, it becomes very difficult. Um, and that's the, that's the whole thing. So you, what happens is, is the guys that are willing to do this thing, those are the guys that you see on every show who are there, who are there early, who are there working and stuff like that. And then, you know, there's a, there's thousands of professional wrestlers. So it, it's a very, you know, like I have such a good base and I have Kevin Sullivan, right. and I have Gangrel, who keeps everyone in check. No yeah. one says that. Like, Gangrel says jump, they'll jump. Really? Nobody says anything to him. And it's partially the reputation that he has had of beating up high profile. People, <laughs> right. you know? Like, he, he, you know, he was the guy in the WWE locker room. Like, I don't want to kill his gimmick, but yeah. he was the type of guy where, you know, he was with Luna Vachon, who is his, one of the loves of his life and whatever. And if he would have to stand up and punch a guy, he would do it, you know, in the <laughs> WWE. So, you know, if he's doing it there, he would do yeah. it anywhere. He would do it anywhere, right. So you have those guys that, you, you know, or Kevin, like, you know, I've, I saw one guy uh, disrespect Kevin, and he'll never do that again. So it's one of those things that you have those guys, you know, that I, I, I love what I'm doing. I'm passionate. I work hard. But they have those those things that you can keep in complete control of your locker room. Right. The, 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 um, so we talked about the wrestler's profile. I have always wanted to know, how do you pick between a baby face and a heel? And for the casual fan, baby face is good guy, heel's the bad guy. Does that go? Does that happen very early or as part of the, the evolution of a story? So the, the secret is, is we can all do both. The best ones can do both. Some guys look like heels. Some guys look like baby faces. If the guy, if when I'm looking at a guy and I'm talking to him and he's training, if the guy's arrogant, yeah. if the guy is a little... The guy's a jerk. He's a better baby face. Really? Why? It's it's completely opposite. So the baby faces in professional wrestling, uh -huh. this is a huge secret, yeah. are the biggest jerks of them all. They're really? The worst. They want it all. They want the glory. They want everything. So they are the baby faces. And the best guys are the best heels because they're giving. They're in there yeah, because point. they want that reaction from the crowd. But they know at the end of this thing, they're getting pinned. They're getting beat up. Good will triumph over evil. So they're the guys working so hard to make the baby face look good. They're the selfless guys. They're the good guys in yeah, 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 wrestling. Yeah, yeah. The good guys are the bad guys. And not just here, but almost universally, a lot of times, the, the good guys are not good guys. Wow, interesting. You know what I was thinking? Uh, the role of the manager has disappeared a little bit, right? We grew up with Bobby yes. the Brain Heenan and uh, the Hammer and, and Virgil and all these guys. Like, what, what happened there? Because they were always great to play off of a heel or Captain Lou Albano, you know, I love doing it. his thing. I love it. You don't want to pay that guy. You got to pay another guy on the outside. It's simply You got to pay economics. another guy. Okay, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, people were like, Vince McMahon doesn't, hate, or doesn't love tag team wrestling. People would say for years that he just puts two guys together. He doesn't care. And then I heard that when Vince wasn't a billionaire, but he was still very popular, was still on television, yeah. was still, he would put two guys together because he didn't want to pay two guys. And always have to pay two guys. And those guys were tied together and all this type of stuff. And I love tag team wrestling. Yeah. And I also love managers. So uh, Bill Alfonso is an incredible manager. And he's, you know, he's one of my mentors. You know. uh, and if you see our show, like Lou Spector and Eric Christopher, heel managers. And what happens is in independent wrestling, sometimes I'll bring a guy from the outside that nobody knows. So they'll get no reaction unless they come out with Lou Spector. Unless they come out with Eric right. Christopher. And immediately whole place knows that that guy is garbage. He's a bad guy. Yeah, you yeah. hate him because th <laughs> those managers are bad guys, you know? So you can retain the stories and they're great, you know? And and one of the biggest secrets in wrestling or, or whatever was um, those guys, the Albanos and the Jimmy Hearts and stuff, 
they're all working office backstage jobs. And there's some, and in the 80s, those guys were many times like the agents and the managers of the wrestlers because oh, they really were needed Jimmy Hart. He was his real manager. Yes, you're he right. Needed, I forgot about he that. He needed yeah, to yeah, be like, yeah. I need to get to the airport. He's like, call Jimmy. Like they yeah. were just, you know, the Ultimate Warrior needed guys. Like Bill Alfonso was put with, because uh, he could speak uh, Spanish, he was put with Giant Gonzalez. And Fonzie's telling me, he's like, I'm in a car with an eight-foot giant guy <laughs> in a van, English. and he can't speak English, and I'm walking in asking for this eight-foot guy to use the bathroom, and everyone's freaking out, like, who is this right. guy? And Fonzie needed to be that guy. So what happened? Like, we got to pay Fonzie. we got to have Fonzie there. So, so might as well have him part of the show. Part of the show. So at the time, he was a referee. And then uh, when he went to ECW, uh, he was so good with the boys. Like, he would, you had to book him. He's such a great guy. And then, and then they realize he is incredibly, he has incredible talent. Like he has a yeah, charismatic, well-spoken, he's yeah, charismatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times they're older, they're former wrestling wrestlers, and they can mentor and get the younger talent where they need to be. So in the WWE, that doesn't equate well with what they do. There is a system there, but for what I do and and other parts of wrestling, rest, uh, managers are just they're incredibly important. How real is the movie The Wrestler? I can tell you. Three people or four people that when I watch that movie, I, I te- I've watched that movie like three I, times. Me too. I text one of my favorites. Them. I text those guys every single time. I ask them how they're doing. I ask them what they're doing. It is very realistic. There are certain aspects the wrestling was not realistic. And a lot of a lot of people that uh, uh, are now friends of mine, Andrew Anderson and uh, um, uh, Papa Don, were in that movie. A lot of uh, guys that I've known now were actually in, in The Wrestler. And um, they said that they were kind of fighting with, creative that's how wrestlers are. they show up in <laughs> a movie and they're saying like brother this is work for me this is not how we say this is not right. what we do you know a little bit so what happened was is some of that got into the movie like when when some of the like the backstage scenes and stuff it's 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 uh pretty pretty close yeah. but there are certain things like in the wrestling and then there's certain things like so not every locker room is like that but we have a very clean locker room and it's one of those things like when i started wrestling it was not as clean of a locker room there's a right. lot of like crazy stuff going on yeah. and stuff and now I and I do travel to you know larger large independent companies like AIW and 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 uh, uh, Game Changer Wrestling and other places and it's not the same like it's not um, it's not the same as what it used to be. We're all these guys are all different, you know. Like you can understand why the guys from the '80s are dying, and it's because of that lifestyle, tough, tough life. So that was what they were. That's what what they were trying to show is those guys from the '80s to transition into the early 2000s was the most difficult thing, and they all started to die. Yeah, and then um, that doesn't happen the same way. And you have guys, but like I, I think they, the guys take care of themselves better now. Yeah, right? they're not as crazy. I mean, I've heard stories about like the massive consumption of steroids that yeah. blew my mind. Yeah, and I said, human beings can live. Yeah, Like human beings can live on that much. Yeah, like steroids. It's like, well, we didn't know, brother. We didn't know. It's and they were buying droids off the guy yeah. in the bathroom yes, or in Tijuana. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was, like, a, it was like, insane. Well, also, like, now, like, doctors get prescribed testosterone to, you know, men in their 30s and right. their 40s. And the, it's, the information is out there on what is the effective doses. Right. Or back then, <laughs> they were just like, oh, give me this horse. Give me uh, all of it. Yeah. I'll do it right now. How much more can you give? And then yeah. they're like, you know, those guys who are just turning red and doing those promos. Like, yeah. you look at it back now and you're like, that guy is killing himself <laughs> right there, you know? And, and I'm not going to name names, but a couple guys that I've worked with and I look at him and I'm just like, oh, I want to almost grab him and be like, please, like, I don't want you to die. Like, I don't want you to die. Yeah. Um, and um, 
but now it's it's and I and you I, were on the I, road I, 300 nights a year. I actually don't like to talk <laughs> about how it, things have cleaned up because yeah. I think it's part of the mystique is like oh, will a wrestler stab you? Will a wrestler kill you? Right. Um, it's part of the, like the cool like aspect of wrestling, and it's just not the same. It's not what it used to be. But um, I, like I said, there's four guys that I can think of off the top of my head right now that I like. I want to call them. I'm going to text them after this podcast. Like, hey. Hope you're How doing you doing? good. Exactly. Let me know what's going on. Let's work on some stuff because uh, it is certain aspects are really realistic. What happens is you fall in love with the energy of the crowd. Like uh, I'm, I'm 38. I can't believe I just said that on camera. I'm 38 years old. I just had a uh, uh, full wrist reconstruction okay. last year. I, I broke three um, ribs in my back taking a backdrop in Columbia. I thought I was going to die. I thought I punctured a lung. Uh, the promoter's telling me, like, don't go to the hospitals in Bogota. <laughs> Fly home tomorrow and go to your hospital. And I did. And uh, I have, uh, man, I've been beat up, and I can't stop. Because it's so incredible, that feeling, when you hear the crowd and you're doing things. And, like, when you think about something or you try something new, and even, like, now, like, I'll do something different and it'll work. Yeah. That feeling you can't. That high of the performance. You can never, ever feel it doing anything, anything else. Yeah. And so it's really hard. So, so you how just, you, you as the guy who runs it, how often are you performing? And by the way, what is, for the fans out there listening, what is your stage name? So I, so, oh, I have to do this, I guess. I guess this is, well. You can, you can do a whole promo here. I could do a whole, no, no, no. Well, I wear a mask. And I, I have a big Brazilian, yeah, I have a big, I'm the Brazilian destroyer. And I'm a, a very large, boisterous character, and I'm you know very yeah. intense and and stuff. So it's fun. <laughs> uh, I before the uh, wrist surgery, I was wrestling eight times a month, wow. uh, pretty regularly. And then now I've it's actually funny. I had the wrist surgery in July, started my um, physical therapy, mm -hmm. and then talked to the surgeon, whatever, no problem. So when I started the physical therapy, I I figured, I assumed. I could start to lift. Yeah. I could start to do things. So then I started getting back in the ring. So I'm, I wear the wrist brace, and I'm getting back in the ring, and I had a very hot angle that I needed to finish. So I said, yeah. give me three months. I come back strong on the angle. I am not – physically, I was dying. I was not in the shape I need to be. I'm still not in the shape I need to be. I finished the angle. It was incredible. I felt great. My body started to feel better. I started to rustle more, started to rustle more. And then in December – no, I mean, October, my surgeon – no, December. December 11th, the surgeon calls me, and he goes, hey – really excited we can start level two minimum <laughs> lifting and i was like wait level two there's a level two yeah. and i said like, okay uh well what's after level two he said well then you can start to train in like march of the following <laughs> year and i'm like, like i have like, dude, just been, been wrestling, wrestling every <laughs> night on a wrist that was hurt it hurt every yeah. night my yeah. wrist hurt and i had no idea and so i did scale it back a little bit and now uh Two matches a month. I'll do some surprise stuff. Like uh, if the angle serves it, I'll do it. And then it helped. Actually, me me being injured has helped me refocus some parts yeah. of the business where I can sit down and and um, you know watching the monitor in the back and really critique every wrestler where they're going. Critique everything when they walk through that curtain. I can grab them and I can be upset at them right away mm -hmm. uh, instead of watching the video back later. And yeah. it's a in the moment thing. Like when someone comes back and I say this is what we did wrong. This is what we did wrong. This is what we did wrong. It's way better than telling them. Unfortunately, like I'll be watching or editing the show and it's like two o'clock in the morning and I just start texting guys like yeah. this was garbage and you knew we had this and you did this and you did this and then I'll stop myself and I'm like, that's wrong that's not the way to do it <laughs> so it's helped me to like and save me time to take a step back take a step back and some of that so that's happening it has got to happen I have to stop but I can't see myself stopping I, I, I have to this episode is brought to you by Buena Vista Creative Miami's premier digital marketing agency Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com for more info on how Buena Vista can help your business increase revenue and create the brand and digital presence it deserves.
video and podcast production, web and app development, search engine and social media marketing, logo creation, outdoor, print, swag, and more. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com to learn more. But let's 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 talk about the business of so so a couple big uh, things have happened in, in in the world of wrestling, right? So one, WWE finally gets a competitor in the last couple of yeah, years. Yeah, absolutely. AEW. What are your thoughts on AEW? Where do they take it? Because they've had some real great wins, and then they've had some, you know, misses. So, like, I love all the wrestling. I love it because there's new jobs that are created for wrestlers. And for me at school, uh, uh, you know, our champion was is now the Spanish announcer for all the wrestling, one of the Spanish color guys. Uh, we have a lot of AEW guys, which has been great. Like, t- like Tony Khan and... And the team over there, QT Marshall, who's been incredible, who works with us and also does a talent, um, he does talent assessments at our school. Mm-hmm. So he'll come to our school, he'll come to our shows, and he'll assess guys, and he'll bring them to bed. It's so incredible because he says, this is what we're looking for. Right. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to work on. And that's insane. And then he'll take, he's taken 12, 13, 14 guys and girls, and he's put them on AEW Dark. So I have to say, like, and type of relationship that I have with them and that what they have with our company has just been has just been incredible there are things obviously that it's like oh you want to like you know but it's not there are things about the company no company's perfect there's things about like when I watch AEW that I'm just watching I'm like oh like I wish this would happen I wish this would happen I wish things would be different in in, in certain aspects like you know that it really hurt to see that CM Punk when he's eating the cupcakes and he start and he's sitting next to his boss and he's saying like I work with children and yeah, he's saying all these things. Oh yeah, my yeah, heart yeah, is hurting. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I put myself in in what Tony Khan feeling and and at first I would be like I would stop him right there and I said maybe I wouldn't like right. I'm on television right now I'm trying to process what he's saying like it got a lot of views man I I saw it yeah well and that that was the second thing I was like oh, I hope it's a I hope it's a work I yeah. hope it's an angle right I was hoping but then you you start to hear the things that he said I was like. Eh. That is like you cross a line, <laughs> like, you know. When you cross that line, it's like I I don't know, man. And then I had friends who were, I had a friend who was really literally with. She doesn't work there, but her boyfriend was there, and she was literally on the other side of uh, the room, like uh, right outside the door. And uh, a bunch of people ran in when that fight happened, I guess. And uh, she, I, I said, "Are you there?" She's like, "Yeah, this is real." She's like, "It is one hundred percent." Real. real she said it happened and it was weird and it was whatever so you see that and you're like oh it's really disappointing but they've recovered because now cm punk's back and they're doing a lot of really cool things there yeah and it, it was the wrestlers wrestlers fan like like if you're a hardcore yes guy not general that that was what that league was about yes that was actually a protest of what wwe was doing right that's it, what that, it, that it became a little was. commercial little yeah. goofy wwe the angles were like it's like we want guys to wrestle we want guys to do this we want guys to do this like, yeah. things were changing so that was a protest and they captured that hardcore niche audience but it's a it's a it's very scary if that audience is only a million people right because that's, then you go okay well where's the casual audience and right. then how do you get the casual audience how do you not alienate your niche audience i'm not it's not a niche audience but yeah. that hardcore a million people is not a niche so. yeah that audience, how do you not uh, alienate your core audience right. by opening up to the casual audience? And then right. you think, well, maybe that's why the WWE was doing such goofy things. Because I would, I love talking to like uh, regular, like people who like wrestling but aren't into the wrestling. Like me, yeah, right. Well, no, no, you probably you you actually like you like wrestling, you right, 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 right. I like people who like remember wrestling a little bit and stuff. And the names that they would remember are Goldberg. 
Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Dusty uh, Rhodes, and, and, yeah, everybody. And these guys with size that didn't move incredibly well, yeah. but told a great story yeah. and were very realistic. And then you talk to a hardcore wrestling fan or talk to wrestlers, and they're going to say Will Ospreay, and they're going to say other smaller guys. And then you put those guys on the show, and those guys are going to watch it. I want the Uber driver that I was talking to who wants to see Goldberg. Do you know what right. I'm saying? So then the problem is, is you will if you bring Goldberg to All Elite Wrestling, you will alienate your core audience. Well, so like, what do you do? One of the things is like, the, like the one everybody knows, Hogan. Yeah. Hogan wasn't a great wrestler. Right. That, like he had the boot, he had the leg drop. Like, but man, entertainer. Yes. When he put the music coming onto the ring, yes. I mean, like he he just know how to sell sell a story. Longevity. Uh, facials, yeah, yeah, the things that he would do in the Say ring. your prayers, take your vitamins. Like, if people remember that from my era. I look back and I see he does the back rake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does these things. He's doing heel things. And these little kids, me, I was one of them. Yeah. I was, I'm cheering this guy. And he's so perfect. And he was that, he's, you know, it's like, you talked about perfect baby face. And I think one of the problems that Roman Reigns had is he's just such a good looking guy. Hogan's not a good-looking guy. He's not a good-looking guy. He's a You're construction right. worker. He's yeah. a workman. Yeah. But he was our guy. He was your he guy. He was our guy. <laughs> so it's like you have that thing where, like, Hogan was the guy. He looked great. He was the guy. Uh, he's big, you know, and he's bigger in person. It's, it's funny because, like, WWE was the land of the Giants. Yeah. So a guy who's, like, you know, legitimately 6'5", at that size, is an incredible specimen. Right. And then, but you put him next to Andre the Giant. You put him next to Tugboat, Earthquake. Put him next to King Kong Bundy, and he doesn't look like a big. He doesn't guy. look a big, right? So you have a lot of like, uh, uh, he's huge, and so and when you like when you actually see him in person, his personality like that that's one of the things. He's got the it factor. Exactly. There are a few guys that have walked in the door, and they have this charisma, and they're very difficult to deal with. That's the, that's that guy. That's, that's the that guy where it's like, like you listen to Hogan talk, and he's very like. He'll like start telling like crazy stories, and he'll start. They like some of them cannot be true, you know. Like, right. I, I wrestled three hundred and eighty days in there. Yeah. It's like, well, there's that's impossible. Right. But those are the guys where you kind of like that's there's something there. That, there's like, something there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you look for those guys. Well, like, so one of those guys that something there that the WWE just brought on was Logan Paul, and I saw his one absolutely. of his first uh, uh, when he fought uh, Roman Reigns. Roman, yeah, in Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia, and I'm like, first of all, he's super athletic. He's bigger than I thought. But man, charismatic, great uh, in front of the camera, yeah. sold you know the storyline. I mean, he was yeah. really good. And I was like, this is like his third match. We were talking about like if you talk about business, we've had those guys like you know those guys that are just next level guys. Right. They they wake up at five, they work out, they do everything, and then at four thirty, five o'clock, they don't go to sleep, they don't go home, they go to wrestling training. Right. So, like, he does all those things, the podcast, he delegates, he's his own business. He will end up a billionaire if he's not a billionaire already. And so you take a guy like that who's an outlier in yeah. terms of just incredible production, and you give him a task like they did, it was probably one of the most amazing uh, things to see him wrestle at the level that he did. It was something where I went to the, my students the next day, and I said, this is... This is exactly well, like this is the prototype. He will be incredible. The, he can the be incredible crossover's so important. So because he's a content creator, oh, so yeah, that, yeah. that's the next pivot for WWE. But he's good because Ronda Rousey, I don't think she sells it well. She's just, I mean, she's a fantastic athlete and all stuff. But like I've seen her, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. She doesn't have that it factor or something. Something's missing. Yeah. Well, full disclosure. Well, I can't even say it, but like, uh, uh. There's a project with uh, Don't uh, worry, Ronda nobody's Rousey. listening to this podcast, so you uh, can say okay, yeah. <laughs> No, but I can't say anything bad about Ronda Rousey. I love Ronda no, Rousey. No, yeah, There's some great. stuff going on where she, like, but, yeah, there is something where Logan Paul, he's out there having fun. I yeah. don't know if Ronda's having fun. 
Agree 100%. Like, she looks like she's kind of miserable. She's like, 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 I'm she's collecting like, uh, a check. What's the next thing that I'm going to do? And then you look at Logan Paul's eyes, and there's, there's something there where he's like, he's having a blast, you know? He's and, having a blast, but you get the sense like, I could take it or leave it. Like, this could oh. be my last match because he's already super rich. Well, that, or, you know, WWE actually needs, needs him more, that, that, more. Exactly. So, so, and I explain that uh, to my students because my students will ask, like, well, why can't I get on more shows? Why don't this? Why doesn't this person fly me to New York? Why doesn't this person do this? Why? Why did this? Why did these two of my students got to try out and these three of my students didn't? When these three have a better look and are better wrestlers, and I would tell them, you have to be undeniable. You have to be you like everything that you do. When an agent at the WWE calls you, mm-hmm. what are you going to do for them? Like, are you going to be able to earn them money? Are sure, you going to bring right. new people there? So now the WWE is at a point where they take college athletes, they take people who are just incredible physical specimens, and they train them from the ground up. And you take a like you take a look at someone like Logan Paul, and I think that's the future. Someone who has man 100 million in his total like uh, yeah hardcore uh, followers, followers fans, and all right. that type of stuff, and, and viewers every day, and he can start angles. Look at uh, Pat McAfee is the same, right. who also had a great match. He was trained by Rip Rogers. Uh, uh, but you look at like the guys who were, um, you know, coming into the system now, man. Like the future looks more like Logan Paul's and less like, you know, Roddy Piper's. <laughs> Roddy <laughs> Piper right now, who is an incredible talent, would probably be like a really, really popular, awesome indie guy. He'd probably be an AEW guy, maybe. Maybe he'd be like an Impact guy, and yeah. everyone would love him. Right. But like they would look at him and they would say, "You don't look like." you know, uh, uh, NFL linebacker, or you don't look like a gymnast, or you don't look like these type of things. And, you you know, he, doesn't ha- he wouldn't have 100 million followers. Right. So he, it's he, one of those things. Yeah, the, the, the WWE wants to tap into those f- followers who are probably casual wrestling fans, or right. just, but they're like, we're Logan Paul fans. And so where he goes, I go, just like boxing. Right. The best thing that could happen to boxing is Jake Paul. People yeah. make fun of him. Like, first of all, that guy's only been boxing for five right. years. Right. But, you know, he's taking on real fighters. He's not going to be Tyson Fury. But right. Man, he got a whole wave of people who were not interested. I've watched, yeah. I think, all of his fights. That's great. And I'm like, wow, man. Like, yeah, there is something to it. And I'm not even a Jake Paul fan. But I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Boxing maybe lost the casual audience. And well, they Jake, absolutely did. They Jake, absolutely did. Uh, uh, Jake Paul is bringing them back. And yeah. that whole like creator clashes and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And and I get a little upset because they're they're infringing on what we do. Because right. sometimes you look at those fights and you're like, something's off there. And I say, you know what? I'm in that business too. But they're so lucky that they still have the, they, every they, person yeah. in the arena believing that that Mayweather and the Gotti kid were actually going to fight each other. I was right. there. I was there in uh, uh, with uh, my my uh, my wife works at yeah. um, uh, Channel Seven, and yeah. I was there at this booth with all these sales people yeah, from Channel yeah. Seven, and the fight breaks out, yeah. and they're like, "We need to get out of here before somebody gets <laughs> shot." And I'm looking at them, and I said, "Listen, I saw him tell him the next round is a is done. done. We're going to the DQ. I saw it all happening. Yeah. I saw that there was a guy playing a heel on the Gotti side who was walking around, getting the audience up. The, the The audience started cheering the heels. Mayweather did a turn right there. It's It was so obvious to me. I was watching the cues, yeah. the same cues that... I've seen a million times, but the thing that made me nuts is these people are scared and are leaving and are going to call all their friends saying, we were almost shot by the Gotti crew. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want them to believe, you know? So that's, you know, and maybe that is the future, but that has been, that's again, that's just like one of those things, like those are people who study the business. Like those people who are studying where the future is going to go and the the core 
like the hardcore boxing fans have not done so. Like that is not like you do have the you know Deontay Wilder Fury. Uh, still tons yeah, of money, but it's so fragmented and, it's not and it's the too many. Same. Yeah, too many. And the future looks like more like Logan Paul than it does Tyson Fury. Absolutely. The um, the future of wrestling. So there was a big merger, right? Yeah. You know, Endeavor, WWE, yep. and then UFC, and and that whole pot. Where do you think? What does it look like in the next couple of years with WWE? Vince is getting older. I don't think uh, Stephanie McMahon wants to be. Triple H is still in there. Wh wh where does wrestling go from here? I think they WWE. all. I think they all want to be. I think they all want to be. Uh, I think it's a situation where, when the money becomes so great, that it's something where it's generational. Like, I mean, really. I mean, it's yeah, weird to know, talk about because it's like someone billions. has. What's the difference? You have nine billion, or you have fourteen billion? Really, right, 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 your right, lifestyle right, is right, not going to change right. much. And he's already a rich guy. He's already a rich guy. I think it was one of those. It might be a legacy thing for, particularly for Vince McMahon, because he was in a situation where maybe they had taken some control from him and he didn't like that. He said, right. I built this. Uh, like there, There's that uh, hilarious angle in 2001 where Vince McMahon was like, I'm not getting kicked out. I'll burn this place to the ground. Yeah. And he spins around and he brings in the NWO to kill him, what he started. <laughs> and I'm watching, like, I was watching that and I was like, you know what, that... He was delivering that with a lot He's of... He's the greatest heel. Real, like, <laughs> there was probably something real there, but there was the opportunity to leave... There's an exit strategy. Like we all build businesses for exit strategies, mm -hmm. and I'm as pa I'm, I'm very passionate about professional wrestling, and I have other businesses. And you have to try to build up what you can, get yeah. as much money as you can, because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So there's there's the this is the I I believe the exclamation point on Vince McMahon's legacy. Look what I did. Yeah. Uh, so that he is remembered in the future, and I also think uh, it, when it comes down to professional wrestling, you can look at it in a few ways. Do I think it's good for the wrestlers who work there? I mean, to be, to be sold to Endeavor, uh, I don't know. I, I think, like, the merging and the cross-promotion with the UFC is good and bad. Right. Because the UFC has taken so much of the professional wrestling business. They've sure. taken from it so much. So what happens is is you're not going to get – I don't think you're going to get too much of the UFC fans crossing over to, to WWE. you probably get more WWE fans crossing over to UFC. But when they become UFC fans, will they still feel the same magic right. that they felt? So if you look at it like that. As a consumer, as a consumer of professional wrestling, it might be a bad thing because right now you can watch it on Peacock for twelve ninety nine, and I guarantee you, when the merger comes through and everything is is done, you're at least going to be paying sixty dollars for their the six pay -per times a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's that. You know, in terms of being a wrestling fan, that's where you're at. And then, creatively speaking, I mean, it's a it. You know, uh, I'm very good, really good friends with uh, Ryan Katz when he left WWE and he came uh, uh, he came to us, and and I'm working with a white label, uh, private label uh, project with somebody that Katz was, was involved with. And I spent a lot of time with him and um, says of creative was very difficult. They brought him back. And I saw the change immediately in NXT when they brought him back. And he is a major creative force there. And I think that Triple H really does believe in him. But what happens when Endeavor and all those people come in, like, do they, do they find the Ryan Katzes or do they keep the Ryan Katzes? Do they find other people? Do they change the, like the, the show? Like the second that the show becomes a, um, you know, like a, a broad marketing approach, like uh, uh, what is the word? Like it is a broad marketing approach now, but when like, you know, it's commercialized. Yeah. When it gets, yeah. when you lose the love, like that, that, the, the, Final piece of that creative might be an issue, but if Ryan Katz, I, I gotta keep saying him, or like uh, I'm trying to think of the other guys, like oh Blake Chadwick, who was our our um, announcer, was signed to NXT. Um, he's at Level Up. If you have guys like him, and I hear guys like Corey Graves, and uh, uh, of course you have guys like um, Road Dog, 
and other guys like that who are pretty good at what they do, if they're around, it shouldn't change very much. So that's not the only big wrestling acquisition that happened. I understand that you got the name Florida Championship Wrestling, yes. which is near and dear to my heart yes. because that's how I was introduced. Gordon Sully and yes. all these wrestling guys. I used to watch it on Saturday mornings. Loved it. That's exciting news. Tra the trademark Share with the audience. The trademark for Championship Wrestling from Florida as a show uh, became available in November, and uh, I scooped it up right away. Congrats. And then, of course, like you know, you look at it and you're like, well, this has a really storied history. And yeah. We do a lot of stuff. So, of course, we started to sell some cool merch and, and all that stuff, and, and we're, we're using it, we're using it, and I'm I'm sitting there, and I'm watching a lot of it. I just started to drink like a Cabernet, a nice Cabernet, <laughs> 9 o'clock at night. You sit down, and I can watch three episodes. And what I loved about Championship Wrestling from, from Florida, and I was pretty fairly new to it, I, was, mm -hmm. I started wrestling, watching wrestling in 93, was uh, it is the original ADD wrestling. Gordon, then you go to... 100%. It's a single camera shot. Yeah. Gordon, <laughs> and then you go to the left, and then you get a 30-second promo, yeah. and they're done. And you go to the right, and yeah. another person is talking yeah. already. And yeah. I'm like, this is incredible. No entrance, go to the ring. Go to the ring, Two yeah. and a half minute match. They walk right by Gordon. Yes. Interesting match, two and a half minute match, cut. Go to JJ Dillon, backstage pro one. I'm yeah. just like, this is great. Yeah. This is exactly right. And and uh, I asked Kevin, he goes, I said, Kevin, you're such a huge factor in this. I said, who who formatted this? Like, this is incredible. And he said, Eddie Graham himself formatted these shows. And Eddie Graham was just a he looked at me, he goes, You need to like you need to take this from Eddie. Is just if you didn't do what Eddie Graham said, you were you were going to be physically hurt. And I said, well, I in in today's day of lawsuits and social yeah, media, you don't want to do that. I can't just browbeat my announcers and my yeah, referees yeah. like Eddie apparently did. But um, uh, he said it was, if you have 30 seconds, it was 30 seconds. If your promo was not good, it was an immediate, like, like he would come at you. So I was like, okay. So it was an intense, you know, quickly run show. So I said, how do we bring that together? So we filmed six episodes. We had... Uh, some early interest. We had some potential distribution before the yeah. uh, taping that doesn't look like it's going to come through. So I'm working on, you know, uh, a, a better deck uh, uh, deck page and, and a, a better, you know, nice edits and some things that I'm, I'm going to be shopping around. And we've had interest. I, I've, had, I've had interest also in stuff that we have for CCW, so I'm looking at those avenues as well. Um, but distribution is the hardest thing right now. Right. But people love Championship Wrestling Florida, and this was what was incredible. Is we we do eight shows a month all throughout the state of Florida. You know, we're opening uh, new shows in Tampa. We're doing Daytona. We're doing uh, Lakeland. We're doing some other stuff. And um, uh, this expansion has been great. And I've gotten so many people who are like, I didn't even know CCW, but I watch. I love Championship Wrestling in Florida. And then those people started to come to our show. Yeah. So I tapped into this audience of older wrestling fans. Who are now watching the show, so I'm excited to see how that does. Yeah, the old and territories, man. The, the Texas Championship Wrestling yeah. with Von Erics, the Florida Championship Wrestling, AWA, yeah. uh, where Flair came from. Words of wisdom to people out there oh, wanting great. to get in the res wrestling business. Man, it's it's something that like I talk about this a lot because it's something that I talk about every week. I have at least three people coming every week, and I've, I've talked to them. I give them the same speech. I'll give a little <laughs> bit of a shorter version now. It's like professional wrestling doesn't owe us anything. Like, professional wrestling, in all reality, hates us as an individual. They hate us. Like, you will work so hard, and you will be tireless, and you will be passionate, and you will love it, and wrestling will never love you back. Like, look at Bret Hart. Wrestling did not, he does not, he, he is the five-time champion. 
He's made millions of dollars, and wrestling did not treat him. Did not treat him very well. He lost the a Montreal brother. Screwball, right? He, he, lost, lost, his he lost his brother. He lost the Montreal Screwjob. He lost his family. Like he lost. Like his family doesn't talk to him. It's just his life. Like it, wrestling, even a guy who is main evented WrestleMania, yeah. has not treated him well. Wrestling will not treat you well. It will be very difficult. It will be very painful. But it will be so fulfilling if you have the attitude that like it's your passion. And one day, if you come in passionate and you come in loving it, one day, suddenly, you will make money. One day, suddenly, someone will look at you and say, wow, this person should be on television. But, like, the m majority of people who come in have a completely different mentality. They might love it, but you have to be an insane person. So that's what I, I would say. I can tell, I know why you're successful at it, because you are passionate about, you, yeah. about wrestling. All right, I can't let you go without some rapid-fire yes, questions. Throw it Ready? Me. All right, who's on your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers? Bret Hart. Um, Ric Flair, yeah, Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin. Wow, that's okay. Um, all right, harder record to break: Pete Rose's all-time hit record or 16-time world champ Ric Flair. Harder record to break: Pete Rose's hit. Record. <laughs> I was like, come on, you know, you know, uh, uh, some of those later Ric Flair title reigns were very short. Were very short, and that's I think true. he also added like when he. Uh, 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 Fonzie was the referee. Yeah. It was a Flair Fujinami in Japan. It was like 17,000 people. And during the match, Flair turns to Fonzie and he goes, we're not doing the finish, brother. We're not going to do that finish, brother. Right? We're not going to leave you alive. <laughs> so Fonzie's like, what do you want me to do, kid? So they, <laughs> they, Fujinami wins the belt, leaves with the belt. They get to the back. They film Fonzie reversing the decision in the back. That's counted as a title match. Fonzie almost didn't get out of Japan alive. So if you look at stuff like that, we happened in Puerto Rico one time, that's two title reigns that are, come on. Yeah, that's true. That's okay, true. not to say anything about Ric Flair. Like I said, he's on my Mount Rushmore. But that's, a, you know, uh, uh, someone's going to pass that. Uh, it won't be, it won't be. Um, I don't know who will. Seth Rollins? Yeah, because cool, you got to lose and win. That's the exactly. whole thing. You and, have to be, and you got to be in the game a long time. So Flair, as that traveling champion, he would do it where he lost it on a Friday and he won it on a, a, the next <laughs> yeah, Friday. It a so it was like era, a very dude. different era to do different that. Different era. All right. Um, was Jake the Snake's snake really poisonous? There's a lot of rumors about no, that. No, it wasn't poisonous. It was, but <laughs> I just met Jake, spent some time with him. He did wrestle for CCW. It was the first ever Southeastern Championship match was between... Uh, uh, Joe Cabibo and Jake Snake Roberts. Jake was in a bad shape at the time, but it was a good match. Yeah. <laughs> I just spent some time with Jake at uh, this other show uh, a little bit ago, and he is incredible. But yes, no, that was no problem. All right, what is your Walk Up to the Ring song? It's uh, Actually, it's funny. So it's called Victoria, uh -huh. uh, and it was my former tag team partner who turned on me. That he, It's his band. It was his uh, music. We came out as a tag team. We won the tag team titles for two years. He turned on me, and I used his music, his voice singing <laughs> me out to the ring when I came and destroyed him in a, in a cage at Unbranded Brewing, like, months ago all right you get one game show to play to save your life what's the game show this is great jeopardy jeopardy but it'll just depends on the opponent like i'm not gonna if it's all wrestling questions you're in oh, you're done. safe yeah no but you know what i i, I can play regular jeopardy all i would right. love to do it i was gonna say millionaire but no one wins millionaire no, no. <laughs> at least you have 33 percent of I would a love chance it if it, to if win it was, jeopardy it was millionaire and then the line that you call it's only wrestlers right. oh that would be perfect oh no then i win then, then, I then win. you win put me all against right, who are the wrestlers wrestler? that are on the line so you got to call two wrestlers to save you, to, to, to win the contest Great for you. Question. Who's like smart wrestlers going to no, know the answers? Number one, Kevin Sullivan's a freak. He knows weird stuff. Really? I was. I was Kevin Sullivan is like my Darth Vader. As a kid, I was terrified of that man. I'll, I'll, next time I'm on, I'll bring him with me. Please, oh, uh, I, please. Yes, 
He's he's a blast. Uh, he <laughs> he knows weird stuff. Like we'll be. I was in a car and we were there with a guy who's a, a Native American part of the reservation, and they start talking. And Kevin knows all of the guys in the in the Native reservation, and he knows the whole history of the tribe of the uh, Seminole tribe, and he knows all this crazy <laughs> stuff. And I'm looking at him, and then we sit down, and he's talking to me about uh, the wine that we're drinking and what vineyard it's from and who it's from. It's freaky. And then he'll talk about boxing from the 1950s, and then. He booked WCW from 95 to like 90, 96 to 99 or something. And he remembers what wrestlers said to him on the day that he booked the shows. And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember. And this dude is in his 70s, I don't remember, right? yeah. I don't remember Crazy. anything. Yeah. I remember nothing. <laughs> like, maybe that's my, that's my superpower. I remember nothing. Kevin remembers everything. So I would call Kevin. All right, Kevin. All right, where can people find out about CCW? One of your next events, um... Tell me about the school, everything. Okay, so ccwrestlingfl.com uh, is the website. You can do that for tickets. You can do that to sign up to the school. All socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, at sign TV, And then you can find all of our stuff on that. Uh, a live wrestling drops every Tuesday night on the YouTube or check your local listings if you live in New Mexico and you're, you're, you're listening <laughs> Uh, we lost our West Palm Beach uh, over-the-air channel because they just went out of business. All good, dude. <laughs> like, all good. But anyway, so uh, uh, at CCW Alive TV on all the handles, ccwrestlingfl.com. Uh, you can you know find me through everything like that, too. You can just search me and all that type of stuff. Uh, new wrestlers. I always love new wrestlers. Always new fans. Anything that's cool. Uh, also, media opportunities, sponsorship opportunities, all that type of stuff. You can just uh, uh, throw that at the website. We'll hit you back and... You know, we'll do whatever we can. Like, we help brands, like, yeah. uh, uh, in, in terms of, like, you know, connecting with wrestling fans and that type of stuff. And and uh, so you can be involved in all that stuff. If you also want to book a birthday or a team building exercise or a, a private show, like, I love going to big companies and we'll set the ring up and all this type of stuff. Nice. And, like, fans, uh, uh, a couple times it was, like, a surprise. And then the fans, the, the employees just come out and like, what is this? <laughs> and then we just give them a freaking great show. So... Um, oh, trust me, we're, we're going to do something. We'll there's do a couple, it. There's a couple people here at work I'm dying we'll to buy. We'll do it. We'll do so. it. So perfect. Come to you. Bring them to the school. We'll, we'll have fun. Before we go, I can't let you leave without doing breaking it down. I need a wrestling promo to end the show. Okay. I kind of want to do it as flair. Do it as flair. Okay. Do it as fucking flair. <clears throat> Bright lights, big city, Miami, CCW, brother, the greatest show in town. You know it. Everybody knows it. Every first Saturday of the month, Unbranded Brewing. Woo! The best place to be, brother. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. That was awesome. Hey, man, thanks for coming, this brother. This and when, awesome. when are we going to get you in the ring? We got to get you in the ring. Man. Referee, Anytime. manager. You know what? You'll I, take a body slam. I'm in. All I'm right. in. Awesome. <laughs>